Welcome to the Way of Crypto podcast, your best daily news source covering everything happening in the crypto and Bitcoin space every single weekday morning. We go over market news, price action, and of course, all the drama happening in crypto every single day. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and do that as a general supporter at three bucks a month. Or if you want to take it up a notch, you can contribute to the show with 10 bucks a month. This allows you to not only contribute to the show financially, but also with show content as well as it enables you to ask any question you want, hopefully about crypto. But if not, I'm probably going to answer it anyway. And we'll go over all those answers every single Friday. However, the best way to support the show is simply to subscribe and give us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can do this on Spotify and Apple and all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Subscribe, give us a review. That's the best way to support the show. Finally, if you want to take your keys into your own hands, you can purchase a Ledger device through the link in the description. This ensures you're purchasing the device through the Ledger website and it has not been tampered with by a third party like what can happen if you purchase through Amazon or eBay or a third party seller. You never know if your device has been tampered with. Uh, so use the link in the description. It ensures you're purchasing through Ledger and also 10% of that purchase will go to support the way of crypto at no extra cost to you. If you want to reach out to me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Way of Cryptocast, on TikTok at Way of Crypto. But the best way is to go to the website www.thewayofcrypto.com. There's an email link there. You can fill it out. Let me know your questions, comments, and concerns, and I'll get back to you. There's also an RSS link on the website if you run your own podcast server and you want to subscribe through that RSS link. You can do that. Let's get into the news. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Way of Crypto podcast. We got a ton of news to go over this morning. Bitcoin is struggling to maintain 19,000, currently at 18,748 bucks. We're going to talk about that, uh, talk about why that price action has fallen, and uh, lots more. Some Ripple news, some Celsius news. El Salvador, some big news there. Uh, yeah, lots of news to go cover today, and we're gonna jump right into it. Fear and greed index currently at a 24 on extreme fear. Thought it'd be less today, to be honest. Yesterday was a 22. I thought we we're gonna drop into the teens. Currently sitting at a 24. Yesterday, 22. Last week, a 23, and last month, a 30. Price action, Bitcoin right now. We'll get a little update here. 18,778 down almost 6% on the 24, almost 8% on the seven day, just crushing, uh, or I should say being crushed. Ethereum looking not too good there either. 15, 15, down 9% on the 24, down 5% on the seven day. BNB's at 20, or sorry, 264 bucks, down 6% on the 24, down 8% on the seven day. XRP's at 32 cents, down 3.39% on the 24, down 2.27% on the on the seven day. Cardano is at 46 cents. Solana is at $31. Dogecoin is at, hopefully you guys can't hear the sirens there. Dogecoin is at five cents. So let's call it six, six cents. Polkadot's at $7 and two cents. Maddox at 80 cents. Shiba is down four and a half percent in the 24 and down about 3% on the seven day. Really the market is just red and just getting annihilated for the big, the first big opener really of September. AVAX, 18 bucks, 29 cents. Tron's at six cents. Unas said LEO is up 3.56% on the, on the 24 hour, currently at 
$5.24. Ethereum Classic down 15%. It had a little pump there yesterday, down 15% on the 24 and up 3.61% on the 70 at $34. Cosmos is at almost 12 bucks, $11.87, but same, same, down 5% on the 24, down 3% on the 7-day. Near Protocol is at $4.08, down almost 9% on the 24 and down about 7.5% on the 24. Big movers out of the top 30 or so is Unos said LEO at $5.23, up 3.47% on the 24. That's the only token out of the top top 30 that is in the green today. It's not looking good. However, we may have some good news on the horizon here. The first article we're going to cover is from Cointelegraph. Headline is traders say Bitcoin bounce is overdue after a massive BTC position long position appears. A Binance future equity has been accumulating for days and as a result could be quite the squeeze analysts believe. So they're predicting a short squeeze is imminent. Bitcoin traded in an increasingly narrow range on September 6th as bets piled in over an imminent breakout. Binance futures giant sucks in spent BTC. That's kind of like a headline here. Data from Cointelegraph Market Pro and TradingView showed BTC and USD staying under 20,000 for a four straight day with bulls failing to crack resistance. The US dollar on a side note is at an all time high and everything is going to be down. There's a few stocks I watched, Tesla being one, uh, came out in the green at uh, one and a half percent on the seven day, but everything else is pretty red uh, with that dollar being so strong at the moment here. As many wondered when and how the latest consolidation phase would end, two popular social media traders noted, noticed sorry, on an ongoing accumulation trend by an unknown large-scale Binance future trading equity. With retail investors selling, the equity had spent several days soaking up the liquidity and the result was likely obvious. Bounce incoming, incoming. This is in quotes from the capo of crypto. Yeah, that's his handle, capto of crypto. He predicted in part of an update on the phenomenon describing the entity's long BTC position as massive and easily worth 30,000 BTC or more. So they have that long in just waiting to scoop up Bitcoin. Uh, however, that's going to be dependent on the shorts losing here. There's an uh, quite an interest at 19650 at Binance Futures. Fellow trader account Jackie's continued. That's probably the price that we may see some of these shorts being liquidated at, at that $19,650 mark. We are seeing the positions filled. The price goes up and then a new wave of selling comes in. Hit and the new orders again and repeat. Looks like someone is accumulating hard. That's no surprise here. Bitcoin right now is way undervalued way undervalued and uh, it's a great bargain right now and people are scooping up so we're looking at another accumulation phase at this price action at this sub 19,000 people are going to be accumulating it's only a matter of time uh, before it hits a price where we do see some liquidation in those shorts however we don't know when that's going to happen uh, next article this is from Quintelegraph again Bitcoin proponent Sam Mao highlights centralized aspects of the merge so there's been a lot of there's been a lot going on back and forth, a lot of arguments over Twitter and various social media platforms about uh, whether the merge is a good thing or a bad thing and all that kind of stuff. Some people really believe in proof of stake. Um, I am indifferent at this moment in time because I want to see how this plays out. However, uh, proof of stake does add 
the aspect of future centralization. Uh, and if you have these large entities holding a large amount of tokens that are staked, they're going to have a, a very significant control over that network. And that is the issue with uh, proof of stake over proof of work. Because uh, as long as you have miners mining uh, Ethereum uh, all over the world in different environments and different countries and different beliefs and all that kind of stuff, it remains relatively decentralized with, uh, if you ignore the aspect that Bitcoin does have a CEO and a board of directors, uh, that's the only thing keeping, uh, keeping Ethereum centralized. The best thing Satoshi ever did for Bitcoin's decentralization, uh, and I'm not the only one that thinks this, but the best thing that ever happened to Bitcoin was Satoshi leaving and opening up the Bitcoin blockchain to all. And there was no controller, no head controller. Uh, anyways, let's get into the article here. Mao claims a few node operators have the power to change, delay, or even cancel the upcoming Ethereum merge. It's quite significant, isn't it? Samson Mao, a well-known Bitcoin proponent, took recently to social media to talk about the centralization aspects of the upcoming merge, which he claimed isn't widely known. Ethereum is the countdown mode after the completion of the Bellatrix upgrade on September 6th and is all set for the, the official transition between September 13th and September 15th. Getting real close now, under a week, depending on the hash rate input into the network. The merge is slated to be triggered by a difficulty threshold called the Terminal Total Difficulty, or TDD. If you guys see that acronym around, it means total dif total terminal total difficulty at the value of 5875 and a whole lot of zeros. Mal claimed that while everyone thinks that the merge will be triggered by a preset threshold difficulty, this is one aspect that not many people have paid attention to. He said known operators have the power to overwrite the TDD value by a single line of code. Mao cited a Galaxy post highlighting the key centralization issues with the merge and claimed that Ethereum has knowingly suppressed this fact. So this is a tweet from Samson Mao. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Axelon. E-X-C-E-L-L-I-O-M. You can give him a follow there and read all this for yourself. I'll go through his tweet here. So how does the merge actually get triggered? I was curious, so I did some digging. I thought it may be a set with a fixed mechanism or readiness threshold, but no. Someone, probably Vitalik, will just say go, and then it happens. The complex charade is to mask the centralization. The centralization being the form of this merge taking place when the founder of Ethereum, Vitalik, whether uh, you like him or not, I think he's mostly well-liked in the crypto space and well-trusted. However, uh, can't be decentralized when you have someone like that calling the go for the merge, and uh, I do believe he's right. I do believe that Ethereum uh, is not decentralized, and uh, I, do, I do believe 99% of tokens uh, that exist are not decentralized, Bitcoin being the only one that I'm aware of. However, I don't necessarily mean that that is bad, right? So uh, Ethereum's, I use it every single day. And uh, I think that it is very useful. Web3 is very useful, especially for tinkering at this moment in time. I kind of think of Web3 like a Raspberry Pi almost, where uh, it's like a play, a, a small little playground doing things you wouldn't normally do on uh, the web, Web2. Uh, so Ethereum I find extremely useful, beneficial. However, decentralized, I, I think it is not. And uh, nothing against Ethereum, it's just not centralized. And that is okay. There is room in crypto for tokens that are not decentralized because they allows them the ability to do different things and maybe move a little faster than a decentralized token like Bitcoin can. So I do believe there's room for both. However, I don't believe Bitcoin is centralized. Let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin's price action here. 
or sorry, what did I say there? Ethereum. I don't believe Ethereum is uh, is decentralized. However, not necessarily a bad thing. Would it be better if it was decentralized? Maybe, but it also wouldn't be able to uh, meet all these changes as quickly as it can if it's centralized with an acting head and a roadmap that you have this group of people that are in control that are following. So that's the uh, that's my opinion on uh, decentralization versus centralization. But we'll talk more about this probably on every single podcast. Uh, Bitcoin price falls under 19K as data shows pro traders avoiding leverage longs. The shorts are winning. I think that's pretty clear. They can't win forever. Keep that in mind. Uh, so shorts won't continue to win, but at this moment of time, they sure are because Bitcoin is just dropping like a rock here. Bitcoin nosedive to its lowest level since July 13th, but data shows pro traders remain skeptical of a quick recovery. I'm among them. I think September is going to be pretty red. An 860 surprise correction, $860 surprise correction on September 6th yesterday took Bitcoin from 819, 820. This was like right after I recorded the podcast yesterday. Uh, about an hour later, it just uh, crashed by about a thousand bucks and then uh, continues to crash here. Uh, yeah, Bitcoin fell from 19820 to 18960 in less than two hours. The movement caused $74 million in Bitcoin's future liquidations at derivative exchanges, the largest in almost three weeks. The current 18733 level is the lowest since July 13th and marks a 24% correction from the rally to 25000 on August 15th. Yeah, so in uh, what, less than a month, we've fallen another 25%. I do think September is going to continue to be red. However, I think October and November are going to be okay. I am hopeful for September, though. Uh, I'm hopeful. It's worth highlighting that a 2% pump towards 20200 happened in the early hours of September 6th yesterday, but the move was quickly subdued and Bitcoin resumed trading near 19800 Within the hour, ETH price action was more interesting, gaining 7% in the 48-hour preceding the market correction. However, yesterday was a, a buy. The rumors sell the news on the Bellatrex, and uh, we're, we're down right now. Not looking to so S-I-T-S-H-I-T hot, that's for sure. Pro traders have been bearish since last week. I think that's pretty obvious, and I think they're going to continue to be bearish into September. However... The price action doesn't have to reflect what the pro traders want. So we'll see what happens. I do think September is going to be uh, a pretty crappy month in the crypto space. And I do think we're going to see some positive things as we move into October, November. However, I do see extreme volatility because this fall is not like all the other falls or not like most falls, I should say, where there is a, an election in the States. And I think that is going to bring some extreme volatility. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bellatrex yesterday. Let's talk a little more about it. This is from the Defiant.io. Bellatrex fork goes live and clears the way for the merge. Uh, so that was the last big thing here until September 13th through the 15th, where we're actually going to get the merge, uh, the much, much anticipated and extremely important merge. However, just a side note, uh, I've heard a little bit of chatter about this that people don't understand exactly what's going to happen uh, with the merge and exactly what it means. So what it means is Ethereum is going to proof of stake. What it doesn't mean is it's going to lower gas fees. I think a lot of people are anticipating that. However, gas fees on Ethereum will remain the same. 
But as a Ethereum user, I use it on a daily basis. Gas fees are not real bad at the moment, this moment in time anyways. Uh, you can uh, move F NFTs around for a, f a fairly uh, insignificant price and move uh, USDC and Tether and all that kind of stuff around for a very small amount compared to last year, that's for sure. Uh, Beacon Chain now ready to merge with Ethereum mainnet. The Bellatrix hard fork executed on ETH2 Beacon Chain on Tuesday and completed the first half of Ethereum's long-awaited chain merge and transition to proof of stake consensus. The big chain Ethereum's proof of stake consensus layer is now ready to merge with Ethereum's execution layer. That's the important part, the proof of work mainnet. Bellatrex enables stakers to produce blocks containing the code supporting the unification of Ethereum's two layers. Yeah, so we got the Bellatrex out of the way. It is clear and paved the way for the merge in less than a week here, six days. Celsius co-founder declares his equity is worthless in court. I would agree with him. It's unclear if the current declaration by Leon would have any bearing on the value of shares still in circulation. Uh, I agree. Oh, Celsius is completely dead in my mind. It's done. Donezo. A Celsius Network co-founder has moved to court to declare the entirely of his equity staked in the embattled crypto company as worthless. On, uh, on a note here, there was an ETF uh, out of Quebec, Canada. I reside in Canada, for those of you that don't know, that held, uh, I think it was 15 million in uh, Celsius shares, and they completely wrote that off as well. In Monday, docu the document, in a Monday document to the United States bankruptcy court law firm Kirkland and Ellis LLP, filed a declaration on behalf of Celsius co-founder Daniel Leon. First, I've read his name, but I, I'm not entirely familiar with the inner workings of... Uh, of Celsius only being familiar with uh, their CEO, confirming his status a substantial shareholder and declaring that his 32,600 common shares are now considered worthless. Yeah, I would completely agree. Celsius, if it ever returns, uh, if someone does buy out the assets and tries to remake Celsius, rebrand Celsius, I don't think it will ever... Uh, yeah, it may get some customers. I I'm not really sure why, but a lot of times it just kind of works out like that where it may get some customers... However, I don't see it ever gaining widespread trust like it had uh, during the beginning of 2022 and all of 2020 and 2021. Celsius was uh, just trusted at an extraordinary level, uh, myself included. We all trusted Alex Mashinsky. I'm not sure why. Uh, it was a big lesson learned. I lost, I lost quite a bit of crypto, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, there's a real good chance that you did too. Uh, and I think those scars will take quite a long time to heal and uh, I will never use Celsius, the Celsius platform no matter uh, what brand it takes on from here on. I'll never use the Celsius platform again and I also moved completely out of any uh, CFI yield generating platform. I have no crypto at all in any yield generation. I would love to. There are some companies that I think are still pretty good and they're giving uh, rates that are pretty good as well. Uh, we're enough where you can make a little bit and they can make a little bit, but I just can't put my keys on their platform at this point in time. And uh, in the future, I don't see myself ever doing it again. Uh, maybe some DeFi stuff. DeFi has continued to work. There's problems in DeFi, uh, usually hacks and, uh, and things like that. DeFi has its own set of problems. However, they have continued to work uh, as... They were programmed, and I think that's the important note. There's no human, no human interaction that can take risky bets with your crypto as a customer, uh, because 
they're going to treat your crypto differently than they're going to treat their own crypto. It's just whether they're good people or not it has nothing to do with them being a good person, an honest person or not. But when you're getting crypto from users, uh, when they're signing that user agreement, you know what that user agreement says. They're giving you your crypto to, in quotations, invest. I think it's just it's a human nature that they're going to uh, be risky and uh, I have their eye on those high returns instead of playing the risk f I shouldn't say risk free but less riskier plays that have those less uh, have less returns I think it's just human nature they're going to gamble with other people's money more than they're going to gamble with your money and when you're gambling in crypto we're so volatile the odds of them losing it are uh a few percentages away at all times. And that's what we saw happen here. Next article, this is about Ripple. Uh, as if you've been listening for the past few weeks here, I'm not a fan of Ripple at this moment in time. I see them as very anti-crypto, very self, um, they're out for themselves is what it appears to be. They've taken out advertising campaigns against proof of work, against Bitcoin. Bitcoin is our only truly decentralized cryptocurrency at this point in time like i uh, kind of went over the only one i know of anyway and to attack that is uh morally wrong and crazy doing uh what good a decentralized financial system can do and yeah the main net of uh, or on chain with bitcoin uh, does have its problems when it comes to peer-to-peer -peer transactions however there's a lightning network and el salvador's been using lightning uh for about a year here and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes and it is a very good very quick very cheap peer-to-peer -peer transaction method that can replace visa mastercard your debit systems and all that kind of stuff with enough backing and to uh to try and take away from bitcoin and actually spend your own money that you've generated through customers investing in your tokens that believe in crypto to then turn and take that money and promote your token at the detriment of other tokens, similar to what we're seeing with uh, Ava Labs. I can't get behind that. I don't like Ripple. I think if you hold Ripple, I think it's not a bad time to trade those tokens. I don't see Ripple moving anyways until that lawsuit settles. settles and I think all of crypto is going to get a pump, not just, not just XRP. If I held Ripple at this moment in time or hold XRP at this moment in time, I should say, I would be looking at a faster, better horse to put those tokens and just trade them straight up. Um, not to upset the, or at the detriment of the XRP army, I'm sorry, it's nothing against you guys. I just don't like where the heads of Ripple have gone. I don't like the stance they've taken. Uh, I don't like their partnership with the World Economic Forum. There's so much I don't like about XRP. I apologize to the XRP army. I want to see you guys make money. However, you can take those tokens and put them in a better horse at this point. Uh, the blockchain company has been pushing hard into the CBD space since piloting the CBDC private ledger aimed at central banks on March 2021. This is what I'm saying. So the headline of the article is Ripple advises advisor teases more CBDCs announcements in the next few weeks. They want to get behind a CBDC with banks instead of having a decentralized medium of exchange they want the banks to maintain control of your cbdc i don't like it and i cannot get behind xrp at anymore at this moment in time ripple may soon unveil pos positive developments in the central bank digital currency cbdc projects is this positive uh, i don't see it as a positive falling hints at ripple cbdc advisor anthony welfare of more announcements to come crypto influencer this name is kind of crazy but you can follow him on twitter at cento 
Suma Soba. Uh, there's so many letters here, I'm not going to spell it out for you guys, but uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can go to the Cointelegraph article labeled Ripple Advises, Advisor Teases More CBDC Announcements in the Next Few Weeks, and there's a link to his Twitter there. He's stating Ripple has several pilots in progress for CBDCs, including the Royal Monetary Authority of the RMA of Bhutan and the Republic of Palu. So they're trying to inject themselves as the middleman in these banks of these uh, up-and-coming nations. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm sorry to uh, XRP Army people here. Uh, but let's move into a positive note about El Salvador. They are celebrating their Bitcoin anniversary. And it's been a year of them using uh, the Bitcoin network as a currency in El Salvador. So happy for them. El Salvador's first first. Bitcoin anniversary came in bid, BTC losing 6% of its value in one year. That's a, It's been a rocky year. <laughs> we shouldn't say it's been like, uh, it's been all ups for El Salvador. It's been a rocky adoption. However, they are extremely early adopters. We're all early to Bitcoin and they are the earliest of the early to adopt this as a mass currency. El Salvador's first Bitcoin anniversary comes amid Bitcoin losing 6% of its value in one year, but that doesn't really mean the country's Bitcoin experiment has failed. Uh, it's brought them a lot of prosperity. Whether the Bitcoin's price is moving up or, Bitcoin, or moving down, El Salvador is on the map now, uh, especially with Bitcoin people who happen to have uh, a lot of money. Uh, it has put them on the map as a destination, and that is probably brought on any more brought more revenue into El Salvador than what they've lost in Bitcoin. September 7th, 2022 today marks exactly 1 year since El Salvador became the first cryptocurrency or the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender by enforcing the Bitcoin law. Advocating for Bitcoin as legal tender last year, El Salvadoran President Nayib Bukele promised that adoption would prevent the 70% of the local population that had a lack of access to banking services as of 2021. It got 70% of the population in El Salvador uh, on a banking system, a decentralized system, no less, and it enabled them to conduct peer-to-peer -peer transactions with each other whenever they want. It allows them to have a medium of exchange uh, whenever they want. 70% of the population, we have a good here in North America and uh, a lot of the first world. I know how I have listeners from all over the world, actually. However, about 50% are from, uh, or maybe 40% are from North America. So the good portion of you guys listening today have it easy as far as it comes to your bank account. You can walk in with your parents, probably set you, set you up with something or your grandparents set you up with something when you were 12 or 14 years old and got that bank account rolling for you. You may not have the same account today. However, you were always banked from the time you were able to spend from into your adulthood where it's not like that in most of the world. Most of the world, most of the population does not have a bank account. Bitcoin fixes this as much as that is a meme and El Salvador is proof of this concept. Next article, we're gonna move right along here. Cointelegraph, uh, this is from Cointelegraph. The FBI seeks Bitcoin wallet information of ransomware attackers. Bitcoin's trying to track down wallets. I always like following stories like this because it kind of shows where the governments are at with their ability to track and uh, track and punish users, I guess, for lack of a better word, in the Bitcoin space. And it's interesting to see when they are trying to track down cyber criminals because today's cyber criminal could become tomorrow's normal person and I like to know where their technology lies and how that stands. The FBI, along with two other federal agencies, the CISA and the MSI. SAC asked U.S. citizens to report information that helps track the whereabouts of the hackers. 
three federal agencies in the United States, the federal, the FBI, the Secure Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analyst Center, that's kind of a mouthful there, jointly issued an advisory seeking information to curb ransomware attacks as part of the hashtag Stop Ransomware campaign. They do need to do something about, uh, I have never been, knock on wood, I have never been um, a victim of this. I don't know anyone that's been a victim of this. Uh, I've only seen the Black Mirror episode, which is uh, super scary, obviously, because all Black Mirror episodes are. But there are people that are still uh, falling for these ransomware attacks, and I would like to see them stop because it's a direct relation towards Bitcoin. Usually they use that uh, or some kind of crypto as their payment method. So I do hope these criminals are caught. Uh, However, I hope they kind of have a hard time catching them because they're using Bitcoin. I hope they're caught, but I hope they're caught in a method that doesn't involve the... uh, the government's use of blockchain analytics, if that makes sense. Hope that doesn't make me sound like a bad guy. I just want to see the governments not be able to, I want to see more privacy in crypto. Let's say that. I want to see lots of privacy in crypto. However, I hope these hackers screw up in a different means and then they do get caught. The trio anticipates a spike in ransomware attacks, primarily aimed at educational institutions, adding that school districts with limited cybersecurity capabilities and constraint resources are often the most vulnerable. They mean their networks because uh, school networks don't have the money to spend on security IT professionals like a corporation or a bank or something like that would. So schools are easy targets. Usually it would be like a teacher that uh, handles all the security, all the security stuff. So we'll, f- we'll be following that if it makes the news. We'll see over the next uh, little while. Sometimes these hackers get away uh, and they're on the run for quite a long time. Uh, so it may not be a news story we cover here on the podcast anytime soon. However, I will always follow uh, when governments are trying to track down cyber criminals while using blockchain analytics, because I think it's important for us to know what's happening so we can all maintain our privacy on the blockchain. Some Roche Freeman news here. Court hears Roche Freeman could create a sideshow in the Tether class action. It already has. Uh, if you don't know who Kyle Roche is and you missed a couple podcasts last week, I've been kind of slowly mentioning his name on uh, podcasts, maybe every podcast or every other podcast, something like that. Uh, but he's the lawyer that was caught on video working for Ava Labs uh, that was litigating other cryptocurrency co- companies to hurt them uh, and in exchange getting a 1% equity in Ava Labs and Ava Labs tokens for that work. Lawyer Carl Roche Previously withdrew a counsel on several crypto class action lawsuits after he got caught, it should be noted, including the Tether and Bitfinex crypto asset litigation. The fallout from the leaked Kyle Roach videos has continued after two law firms submitted a document to court asking that his law firm, Roche Freeman, be removed as the interim co-lead from Tether and Bitfinex crypto asset liquidation. I think the writing was pretty well on the wall after those videos were released by an unnamed source. And uh, yeah, Kyle Roche and his crypto litigations are pretty well done. And uh, that's probably a net positive for crypto because you're not going get, to be getting these frivolous lawsuits being brought up to hurt these companies anymore, maybe anymore anyway, at least not from Kyle Roche and Ava Labs. So I see that as a net positive. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, these litigations, whether they still proceed. They, I'm sure they will. Uh, they'll find a new lawyer. 
to take it on and uh, we'll be following them all on this podcast. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon. Uh, now's your opportunity to be the very first Patreon subscriber to this podcast. We don't have one. So uh, if you want to be the first Patreon subscriber, you can do that. You can also buy a ledger from the link in the description. 10% of those funds and no extra cost to you will go to support the show. But the best way to support the show is to subscribe to us and give us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform i know that's like that's a lot of work because you're listening to this show probably in your car or on your desk or something like that but uh, if you do take that couple minutes that it takes and uh, give us a subscribe and a review uh, it really helps us grow quite a bit so if you do that i'd really appreciate it and that's going to be it i'll see you guys for tomorrow's show happy investing bye for now